Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcasts at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric, E-R-I-K, dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Well, about the end of my college career, I made one of the worst mistakes I have ever made in my entire life. You see, before this moment, I had a great setup for living. I had an apartment where I lived by myself, and it was income-based, and since I didn't make a lot of money, it was working out really well in my favor. But I had gotten a raise at work, and I was concerned that all of a sudden my, my rent was going to get inflated a lot. And I was concerned that maybe it would really affect my pocketbook in not a great way. And so here's where the mistake kicked in. Here was my genius idea. I was going to rent a house and invite some of my friends to live with me. And yeah, you've all been there. You all know this is a horrible decision. I wish you were there with me during that time to say, don't do this. But I did. And so I invited them in. I got a few guys that I thought were trustworthy. And, and really, it was, it was going pretty smoothly. And, and the system was very simple. We split everything down the middle. And so at the end of the month, I would put up the bills. And I would say, okay, this is what you pay for gas, electric, cable, and rent. And, and everything was going pretty well. But all of a sudden, a, a few months in, I noticed there was one guy who was always kind of lingering around our house. And I didn't really know him that well. And I thought, maybe he's just a, a friend of, of one of my roommates. So I went to one of my roommates who knew him the best, and I said, hey, what's the deal with this guy? He's here a lot. He said, oh, he moved in. I said, oh, great. Well, is he trustworthy? He said, sure. And I said, is he, does he know that he needs to pay the bills then like everyone else? He said, yeah, I talked to him, and it'll make it cheaper for everybody, so it's a win-win. So I said, okay. Month one. I put the bills out there. I put the numbers out there. I add this guy's name to the list. Everyone pays except for this guy. So I went up to him. I said, hey, you owe me this amount of money. When you don't pay, I pay for you to live here. And I don't have the resources to do that. 
And he said, oh, I'm waiting for a student loan to come in. When that student loan comes in, then I will pay you back. It's going to come any week now. Month two. I do the same thing. I put it up there. I put the bills up there. I put the breakdown. Now his has doubled, obviously. And so I go to him again. I said, hey, you need to pay me because now you owe me twice as much. And once again, I can't keep paying for you to live here. It, that costs me a lot of money. And he said, I just talked to the school any day now. My loan is going to come in and I will pay you. Month three, I put up the bills. I put up the breakdown. Now he owes me over $1,000. And I go to him and I say, hey, what's the deal? Um, you owe me a lot of money now. And the problem was I started paying attention to him a little bit closer. I started watching how he was spending money and he had money for everything, but paying me back. So I started getting irritated and I said to him, Hey, I don't think the student loan is coming. So you need to move out. And he said, no. So I did what maybe some of you would do. I waited till he left. I boxed up all this stuff. I put it in the front yard and I locked the door behind him. <laughs> when he came back, of course, he was a little bit irritated and I said, here's the deal. If you're not going to pay, you can't live here. And so I hope you pay me back. I still expect you to pay me back, but you got to find someplace else to live. And so he left. And after a couple of weeks, he called me back and he was going to talk to me about the payments. And this is what he told me. This is not a lie. This is a real story. He said, God told me that I didn't have to pay my bills to you. Now, here's the irony. God had told me nothing like that. So we were not on the same page. So I just said to him, I said, here's the deal. You owe me the money. You have to pay me the money. And if you're unwilling to, we're going to have to go to court because I, I have to get these, these resources back or this is just going to really, really hurt me. Well, as I started doing the research and I started thinking through what that would take to go to court and, and pay legal fees and all this stuff, what I'd realized was he, in the end, he's probably not going to pay me and it's going to cost me a lot of time and energy emotionally, and just it was just going to be kind of a mess. So I called him up and I said, here's the deal. We're not doing the court thing, but you should still pay me. But I don't really expect you to because that has been the course. And so I moved on. But here's the problem. I didn't really move on. I mean, I moved on from that conversation, but every time I, I saw him, every time someone said his name, I would just get so mad. I mean, I was honestly so filled with bitterness and probably rightfully so. I mean, this guy had taken advantage of me and, and personally made me pay for him to live in my house. Well, today we're going to run into a passive scripture that if you heard that story and thought about it, your own story or your own experience, this story, this moment in history where Jesus speaks to us is going to speak right to that. And I'll just give you a warning. There's going to be some tough words for us, for us this morning. But this is how Jesus begins. But I say to you that listen. So Jesus begins, he's, he's in a crowd, there's people listening to him, he's, he's really popular, and so there's crowds gathering, and all sorts of people are there. And he starts off by saying this, for those of you that listen, which means he already understands that most of these people are going to disconnect from this conversation. Because what he's about to say is really, really hard. In fact, as we work through this, more than likely, some of you will probably disconnect from this conversation because it's a tough teaching. Now, I hope that you don't physically leave, but I bet you some people actually physically left when Jesus was teaching. 
But I, I'm hoping that you, you stick with me, you, you hang with me. And really what I think, as a believer, the reason we should hang on these words and hold to these words actually came to us last week. You see, as we were in part three of sacrifice, we encountered a story, we encountered a moment where Jesus gives some unsolicited advice to an expert fisherman. His name was Simon. And Simon is done with the day. He's, he's mending his nets. He's cleaning his nets. And Jesus comes up. And Jesus is a teacher. And that's all he is as far as Simon is concerned. And Jesus tells Simon how to fish. But Simon, amazingly enough, actually listens to him. He has a, enough humility or maybe enough curiosity to listen and actually put it into practice. So he throws down his nets and he has the greatest haul he ever has had in the history of his career as a fisherman. And in that moment, it's so miraculous that he understands and sees Christ for who he truly is, God in flesh. And from that day on, his perspective of Jesus was so shifted and so changed that no matter what Jesus said, he understood the source. He understood that the source of Christ's words came from God, the creator of the fish, the creator of him, the creator of the world, the creator of the natural order. And so no matter how crazy it seemed to Simon, he was going to listen. So today, as believers, we have to have that same posture. We have to understand the source of who is talking to us. This is God in flesh. This is the creator of you, the creator of me, the creator of the world, the creator of how the world functions, and a visionary of how the world should function. So here are the words that he has for us this morning. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Now, when he said these words, and when he says these words to us, you're probably thinking of somebody already. In in that culture, in that context, more than likely, the Jewish people naturally connected this idea of enemies to the Roman Empire. Because the Roman Empire had come in and they had subjugated them. They were ruling over their lands and ruling over their people. So when Jesus said this, that's what they thought. And they thought, we hate these guys. And rightfully so. We should hate these guys because they are ruling over us. They are enslaving us. They are evil. And Jesus says, no, we're not going to hate them. We're actually going to, to love them. Something so counter to their understanding. Because here's the situation. When we get in wars or when we have enemies, this is how we, we naturally look at it. They want to conquer us. They want to destroy us. They want to take us over. And the only way to stop that is to do it first. Right? If they're going to destroy us, we destroy them first, and that stops the conflict. But Jesus says something so counter to that. He says, love them, care for them, embrace them, show them compassion. And he goes on. Bless those who curse you. And so he starts getting really specific with this idea of enemies. He says, when they curse you, Right? When they think bad thoughts about you, when they want your destruction in your marriage, in your work, when they don't want your kids to succeed, when they want you to fail in everything, and this is their thought process, this is what I want you to do. I want you to think about them in a positive way. I want you to hope that your enemy succeeds and thrives, that you hope their business succeeds, that they, you hope they get work advancement, that you hope that their kids are the best athletes and the best students and the best members in band. All these things, that's what I want you to think about that. And Jesus takes this idea of emotional health and he puts it on the people and says, emotionally, I want you to look at these people and care for these people and release yourself 
from this idea of cursing. Release yourself from the tension that it will create. And he goes on. Pray for those who abuse you. And so Jesus once again gets really specific and he talks about a group of people who are abusive. People who are actually thinking about creative ways to hurt you. It might be physically. It might be emotionally. It it might be fiscally. They're just trying to hurt you. They have some sort of vendetta against you. And Jesus says, spiritually speaking, this is what you should do. Instead of thinking about ways to destroy them or thinking of creative ways to abuse them back, this is what you should do. You should take some time, take a moment, take some silence and pray for them. Think of ways and pray for things that they can feel blessed and cared for. And in that way, we'll be spiritually healthy. And he goes on. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. So Jesus gets into this realm of physical now. He's moved from emotional to spiritual to physical. He says, if someone strikes you, if someone hits you, if someone punches you, instead of doing the natural thing, which is to retaliate, because that's what all of us would do, right? It's our natural posture. If someone strikes you, even on accident, what's your first thought? I want to hit you back. If someone strikes you intentionally, your thought is, I'm definitely going to hit you back. But here's the problem. When we respond that way, we know the natural course of action, right? I get punched. I'm going to punch back harder. Then what are they going to do? They're going to punch back harder. Then I'm going to punch back harder. And we go back and forth until someone can't punch anymore, right? That's the epitome of a fight. But Jesus says, when someone strikes you, when someone hits you, I want you to step back in that moment. Don't retaliate. I want you to look at them and and not sarcastically, but say, you can hit me on the other side too. Now, if you were to do this, I would assume either two things. They're going to think you're crazy and they're probably going to run away. Or they're actually going to think about what they have done and stop. The retaliation process will cease. And Jesus goes on. And for anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. So Jesus has gone through this idea of emotional health, spiritual health, physical health, and different postures to have with your enemy. Now he's going to get into three sections where it deals with finances. I'll just tell you, these are, these are hard, hard teachings. He said, if someone comes and takes your coat, if someone comes up to you on the street and, and steals your coat directly from you, this is what I want you to do. Give me your shirt also. Imagine wandering through Chicago and someone comes up and they see your nice leather jacket, your brand new, brand name, nice leather jacket that your daughter gave you for Christmas and spent her entire savings on. They come up, they rip it off of you because it looks so good and it fits so well. And as they're running away, you're like, hold up, hold up, hold, whoa, 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 whoa. That's my favorite jacket. And it looks really good. And we're about the same build. So it's probably going to look really good on you too. But you know what makes it look really good? This name brand shirt I have underneath. Now, if you responded this way, once again, this person would probably think you're a little bit off. And I don't know exactly how they'd respond, but I'm sure it'd be kind of funny. I don't know if they would return your code or what they would do or they would take your shirt. I mean, that'd be a pretty bold move. But I have to imagine they wouldn't forget you. And they wouldn't forget how you live your life. And Jesus goes on. Give to everyone who begs from you. 
Now, when Jesus is talking about this, remember, it's in the context of enemies. So he's not talking about that person on the street corner who has a sign and, and you don't really know what's motivating them. Jesus is talking about an enemy. This is a person that you know they have bad intentions. You know that when you hand money over to them, that they're going to use it inappropriately. They're going to use it for drugs. They're going to use it for liquor. They're going to use it to buy cigarettes, whatever that might be. You know they're going to mismanage it. You know they're not going to put clothes on their family's back. You know they're not going to actually buy food. This is the person who has bad intent. And this is what Jesus says. Even in that case, be generous. But don't just be generous. Be generous because Christ's ultimate goal in every one of these scenarios is to move the kingdom forward. Be generous in the name of Christ. Hey, I know you're going to mismanage this. I know more than likely I have a fear that you're going to buy liquor instead of food. I know this. But Jesus knew that I was desperate and corrupt and needy at one point in time spiritually. And he gave to me. So I'm going to give to you. And I'm going to hope that you use this well. And Jesus goes on. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. So as Jesus closes up this this fiscal conversation, he says, when someone takes your goods, so this is implying that they actually know what you have. They have an inventory of your life. And this is probably a family member or a friend or a neighbor. Right? They know what kind of lawnmower you have. They know what kind of clothes you have. They know the TV that they see through your window. They have kind of an awareness. So when those people take from you or when those people borrow from you, don't ask for it back. Right? So when they ask for your chainsaw and you haven't seen it for a month or two, don't ask for it back. Now, this is a tough teaching, right? This is a tough teaching. But in that moment, this is what would happen. Every time they see that chainsaw, every time they see that shirt, every time they see whatever it is, they're going to think of you and they're going to think of your life. Now, here's the reality. As Jesus taught this, as I teach this from Jesus' words, he said it for those who are still listening. I understand if you've already disconnected. I get that because I want to. I don't want to live my life this way. I mean, these are hard, hard, hard teachings. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that. He was trying to move people forward. He was trying to have people understand that living kingdom-minded was so much more than living how the world lives. And so he takes all these thoughts and he wraps them all up. And this is what he says. Do to others as you would have them do to you. See, here's the reality. When I read through those things, When we thought through those things, you thought of an experience or a person in your life who has damaged you in every one of those venues. They've hurt you emotionally. They've hurt you spiritually. They've hurt you physically. And they've definitely hurt you fiscally. But Jesus says, hey, this is what we're going to do. Forget all that. Here's the, the core of it. Here's the crux of it. All you have to do in every one of those venues, in every moment in your life, in every conversation, in every interaction with somebody is do to them as you would want people to do to you. And if you do that, you will love your enemy. You will love your enemy. But Jesus knew there was still this tension. And so he begins to clarify how the world works, how humanity works, and this is what he says. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 
See, Jesus begins to create this contrast. He says, hey, if you love those who love you, that's how everyone lives. That's how everyone lives. But you are different. As a Christ follower, you actually are called to be a little bit different. And he goes on. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Once again, the world operates like this. I do good to you. You do good to me. You do bad to me. I do bad to you. Or I stop doing good to you. And Jesus says, everyone functions this way. This doesn't make you special if you function this way. This is how everyone, even sinners, operate this way. And he gives one more example. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. So once again, he gives another example. If you give, expecting in return. If you give to get. If you trade somebody something and they give you something in return, if you buy a lunch, expecting them to buy your lunch later, what's that? That's how everyone operates. That's how everyone functions. I think if Jesus had had heard Dr. Phil, he probably would have said it this way. And how's that working out for you? That's how everyone functions, right? And how's that working out for the world? That's how everyone functions. And how's that working for your relationship and your work life and your relationship with your neighbor? How's that working? The answer is, it's not working well. So Jesus goes on. So, in light of that, love your enemies. Do good and lend. Expect nothing in return. So Jesus says, hey, this is how the world operates. We can see it's a big mess. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go back to my initial thought, and we're going to love our enemies. We're going to love our enemies emotionally. We're going to love our enemies physically. We're going to love our enemies spiritually, and we're going to even love our enemies physically in a way that honestly doesn't make sense to our humanity. But this is what Jesus says will be the result. Your reward, it will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. See, Jesus ties this tough teaching all the way back to its source. It's God. He said, God is merciful. And if you're God's children, then you should be merciful. In fact, Jesus would, would live this out in his life and live this, his, this out in his life in an extreme way at the end. You see, he'd be put up on a cross by hate, by people who hated who he was and by people who hated who he said he was. And even though hate put him up on the cross, hate didn't keep him on the cross. It was love that kept him on the cross. It was love for every person who hated him. It was love for every person's sin who put him there. His love kept him on the cross to the point of death so that he could give grace to all of us. See, tied into this conversation is a promise. Tied into this tough teaching is a promise. See, before he gets into the mercy of God, he says, your reward will be great. It's a promise. A promise that probably sees its, its full picture in eternity. But I believe there's also a promise tied into our temporary. You see, if we live like Jesus, if we live different to the world, I think we actually experience some benefits. And I think through sacrifice, this is what we see. We see through sacrifice that we can trade getting even for getting 
little odd. How's getting even working out for you? How's it working in your marriage? She does something to me. I'm going to get even. I'll do something to her. She probably didn't realize she did something to you. Now you just started to fight. But if I can just get even, then we'll be good. It's not working out well. How about in your job? Oh, that person talks about me behind my back. That person's trying to undermine my authority. That person is trying to do all this stuff. And we spend so much emotional energy thinking about people who curse us that it just enslaves us. And that's what this idea of getting even does. It enslaves us. How about financially? How much money have we spent on lawyers? How much time have we spent in courtrooms trying to get even? And in the end, did we really? In the end, they didn't pay their bills anyhow. In the end, I spent more money on a lawyer in a courtroom paying legal fees than I ever actually got back. And I just wasted years of my life. You see, Jesus knows that how we function naturally as humanity, getting even, it doesn't work and it enslaves us. So he presents this counter thought, this counter idea, and it is strange and it is odd and it feels foreign, but in it is freedom, freedom emotionally, freedom spiritually, freedom physically, and even freedom physically. You see, when we trade getting even for getting a little bit odd, we will find the true power of sacrifice. Well,